Hello, everybody. This is uh, Posing the Matrix. You got Dave here. It's very late on uh, Wednesday night, 11.45 p.m. We're starting this show out. Um, but it's something that I think that needs to be brought up. I think it's something that needs to be addressed. And I do believe that a lot of you will agree with me. I know that our audience is very, very intelligent, that they're self-determinable, and that you guys know what's good for you more than the government knows what's good for you. So let's look. Um, you know, when we, this country started out, we started out as a group of people that were suffering under a king who was not allowing us to have self-determination. We were basically um, indentured servants, maybe even akin to slaves. And we didn't like that. And the Founding Fathers drafted documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution so that we could have freedom and self-determination. Self-determination means that you make the decisions that you want for your life and you'll live with the results of it, whether they be good or whether they be bad. That's self-determination. And the country prospered under self-determination for many, many years, decades, uh, even about a century and a half, maybe, um, or more and somehow we got this warped stupid um, idea that the government could take care of us well I think a lot of it has to do with you see those of us who know Yahweh serve a God that allows us to have self-determination but we surrendered that self-determination to Yahweh because we know what's he knows what's best for us and he does and uh, so you know we're we're blessed in that way uh, but he's God and he's perfect and everything else. The government is made of men, uh, many of them with uh, really severe faults, uh, character flaws and um, vices that uh, would send, send shivers up your spine if you really knew what was going on with these men and women. And um, so I would rather trust God and have him give me self-determination and then surrender that to him than have self-determination and surrender to a bunch of criminals, thieves, murderers, and thugs, which is basically what the government's made up, made out of anymore, you know? And, um, anyway, um, so, you know, my generation for the most part, except for, you know, some of the hippies and yippies and, and, uh, strange people that are out there, uh, we practice self-determination. Most of our lives we were allowed to do that. However, I see an increasing problem uh, arising, or it has arisen actually, where people will give up their sovereignty to the government for what they can get from the government. We see that with the welfare programs that, don't get me wrong, there's, there's people that really need welfare. There's people that need food stamps and stuff like that, but there's a lot of people that take advantage of it. And those, they're probably more in number than the people that really need it. Having said that, um, there are other things that we're dependent on government for and where we used to, where society used to trust in Yahweh or at least affirm that he existed. Now they, they, they've told Yahweh to take a hike. You know, we don't want you. God is dead and all that stuff. And they've cleaved themselves to, um, to the government and said, government, take care of us. Government, you are our God and we will bow down to you as long as you, Give us something. But you know what? Uh, Barry Goldwater once said, he said, when the government's big enough to give you everything you want, you want, 
is big enough to take away everything that you have. Very wise words. My dad used to use that all the time as an illustration of what's going on with the government. He knew a long time ago what was happening, what was um, what was bound to be. I'm going to take these off till I have to read. Um, so that having been said, you know, we have <laughs> we got people running like lemmings uh, to the cliff, uh, the M- mRNA cliff, and jumping off and expecting that when they hit the bottom, it's going to be hunky-dory only to find themselves dashed on the rocks at the bottom with the tide coming in. That's going to wash your bodies out to sea. Um, that's what happens with the lemmings. They, they plunge down to the bottom and they die. And uh, I don't know if they've ever come up with a reason why they do that, but at least the lemmings, that's their purpose in life. The purpose of a human being is to live and prosper and to create more human beings so that we can subdue the earth and take ownership of it. And that's what we're created for, and that's why the Earth was created to give us something to to um, to govern, basically. Um, so, so what's going on? You know, the the government uh, has slowly, over time, asserted its authority here, a little here, a little there, a little over here, a little over there. And we've allowed it to happen. And because of that, they've grown powerful. And they've grown to the point where they can think they can tell us what to do and do it and have us do it under the threat of going to jail or having an IRS audit or or anything like that. You know, the government is really, when it comes to um, punishment, is very good at it. Um, you know, all they got to do is, is find one flaw in your IRS form and they can they can harass you for years or they could um, label you as a terrorist or label you as a insurrectionist or or any one of those words and then uh, make your life miserable. Um, and tr- trust me, if you go to find work and you've got that moniker on your file, <laughs> it's going to be hard to work. It's going to be hard to do a lot of things, hard to run a house, hard to buy a house and everything else and uh, some people have found that out the hard way and they try to tell their story but nobody wants to listen to them okay so uh this mrna vaccine thing is getting a little out of hand i mean a lot out of hand not even a little it's been out of hand for a long time our um overfure brown here in oregon has decided to take away this the all the um restrictions for COVID now uh, because Roughly 70% of the state has become vaccinated. Now, the good part about that is, is most of them are liberals. Okay, the bad part is that some of them are church members who have bought into the lie. Um, good people that have bought into the lie and think that they're doing a service to, to society for by getting this vaccine because they don't want to give it to other people and they don't want to get it from other people. But what they've done is they've, they've been allowed a ticking time bomb to be placed into their body um, and at the right time, this thing is going to go off. And um, I feel bad for about that, you know, because there's some people that I love that have um, taken a vaccine uh, against my advice. I told them not to do it, but they did it anyway. One did it so she could travel. And the other one, I think, did it because all of her friends were doing it. Um, and she was the one when, woman when I was growing up who told me, hey, if everybody jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you? So... Um, Obviously, she's not following her own advice. So anyway, um, I was looking at some of the now with the vaccines, what's happening is that 
uh, people, especially younger men, are coming down with some very serious side effects, uh, endocarditis or no, pericarditis and um, myocarditis. Those are the two. Um, there's some nervous disorders that are happening uh, that would have happened, and and the CDC is making light of it. Um, they're not even looking into it. They're making it seem like these things that are happening are just, you know, something that happens and and that the end justifies the means. Well, I'm telling you, if you if you got a vaccine and you got sick after it, and that means that you were going to get sick after. It doesn't mean that, you know, that that something else just happened to crop up after you got the vaccine. No, you're feeling great before you got it. And after you got it, you feel sick. And that tells me it's the vaccine. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. So anyway, I was looking up some of the because um, what concerns me is, I, you know, I've got my own heart issues. I've got an arrhythmia that kicks in every once in a while. And it's really affecting my life. I've had it for 30 years. And, uh, you know, I, I've learned that when it happens, I rush to the emergency room. I tell them I've got it. And they shock my, my heart back into rhythm. And everything's okay after that. But it run, I run the risk of, you know, chucking a blood clot. Um, that's why I get there within 72 hours of uh, the start of the event. And uh, they said that if you do that um, within 72 hours, then uh, your chances of chucking a blood clot are a lot less than if you've been in a fib for three or four or five or six days, you know, or maybe two weeks or something like that. It gives your heart enough time to build up blood clots within one of the chambers and bam, you know, one of them breaks loose, it goes to your brain. And uh, I don't know about you, but I really like my brain. And uh, it's one of the things that still works halfway decent in my life. But, you know, that's that's debatable, I guess. I know Brian would have fun with that one. But uh, anyway, um, so I was looking at some of these things and, you know, I was 30 years old when I came down with my AFib. Okay. Now it's paroxysmal, which means that they don't know what causes it. And it also means that it doesn't happen all the time, just on occasion, which, you know, I'm glad about because if it happened all the time, you know, my, my risk for morbidity would have been a lot worse. Um, so, um, th- th- with that in mind, I really sympathize with people that, that are young, you know, cause I, st- mine, I got mine when I was 30 or 31 and I, like I said, I've been putting up with it for 30 plus years and, um, and I don't like that. And to see somebody in their 20s or early 30s coming down with pericarditis or myocarditis um, and the CDC making light of it like it's nothing, like it's, you know, it's just something you catch and you get over it. No, that's not always the case. And it can leave your heart with permanent harm. And we'll look into that a little later. Um, both of those things can, you know, can it can kill you. It really can. And I, that's not something to make light of. And I think the CDC makes light of it in order to get more people to take this stupid vaccine. And uh, I'm, ta- I'm sorry, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid in order to uh, obey the government and to think that I'm going to make life better for me and for other people. I've been doing just fine without the vaccine. Um, and I'll continue to do fine without the vaccine. I don't care. I'm not going to fly in a plane anywhere. I really don't care. If I want to go somewhere, I'll drive. Um, never really took the train, so I don't care about that. Um and who knows, you know, if, if, if I keep up this attitude and they don't like it, maybe they'll kick me out of the country and I can go live in Israel or something like that, which isn't much better. But I know there's going to be an Israel at the end of time. I don't know about the United States. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But um, anyway, um, 
So I want to really get into this. I, I want to talk about what these um, different ailments are. And um, you're going to see that the CDC kind of makes light of it, like the, um, uh, what was it in Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, so the government's like, you know, well, you know what, you take it. And if you get sick from it, well, you know, you're just one of the people that was going to get sick anyway from it. Uh, but, you know, that's <laughs> unless unless they're the people that are getting sick from it, they don't really care. OK, um, I care. I care about everybody. And if one person dies from the COVID-19 vaccine, it should be pulled from the market. OK, um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at statistics a little while. And um, I want you to bear in mind that uh, when we go into this, that. At the beginning, the, the death rate was so high because um, hospitals were, you know, if you went in there with a runny nose and you picked up COVID and died, or no, I got to go, let me reverse that. Like if I went in with um, my cardiac problem and I went in and I, you know, I chucked a blood clot and died in the hospital while COVID was going on, they could say that COVID uh, caused it. And, and a lot of hospitals did that. People went in for minor surgeries and, uh, the surgery didn't go well, and the hospital put down that it was a because of COVID, which really drew the numbers up. And um, you know that's unethical and immoral. Uh, but people do a lot of things for money because hospitals were making hundreds, tens of thousands of dollars per patient that died from COVID. Um, man, talk about unethical and unlawful. I don't know how people can sleep at night after they do something like that. You know what I mean? So um, anyway, so bear that in mind when, when we're looking at the numbers, that the numbers are so high for COVID because I would say a half or more of the numbers that are there are, um, are, are made up, contrived. And uh, I've heard it from nurses that have worked in hospitals, I've heard it from doctors that have worked in hospitals, and it's out there, folks. It really happened. It's not a rumor. It's not, you know, Snopes is going to deny it, of course, and all the uh, the people that um, fact check and stuff like that. But most of them are communists anyway, and they they're going to fact check anything and uh, and and call it bogus, even if it's God's honest truth. So um, I am going to go to another screen here. I won't be able to see myself. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, and I'm going to read some of this stuff, okay? I know that reading can be boring, especially when you're watching somebody read. But I think this stuff is really important. And I can't get this program to work right with um, screen share. So I'm going to go ahead and read, okay? Pray that I stay awake. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. So I'm going to go here. Now the glasses come back on. All right. First thing we're going to look at is something from the Center of Disease Control. Okay. I trust them about as much as I would trust Jeffrey Dahmer to invite me over for dinner and serve me a real steak. Um, I know he's dead and everything. I'm just using that as an analogy. So anyway, um, it says here, safety of COVID-19 vaccines. And, you know... <laughs> It's, it's, there's a lot of BS here. So anyway, um, results from safety monitoring efforts are reassuring. Some people have no side effects. Many people have reported side effects that may affect your ability to do daily activities, but they should go away in a few days. 
Well, if that's true, then they should be paying our wages if we're not at work because of that stupid thing that they're putting in our arms. By the way, um, before I get started, um, I was talking to somebody that lives in Israel and, uh, you know, you know, they, they're like at 80%, um, vaccinations. And, um, so anyway, this person I know went to work one day and he says, um, he says, I want to conduct an experiment. It's okay with you because one of the guys had his first shot and another guy had both shots. Okay. He says, I've heard that, um, this, that the shot, a magnet will stick to it. So, uh, to the site where you got the shot. So he took the magnet, put it on a guy that only had one vaccine and nothing happened. It fell right off. Then he went over to the guy that had two vaccines and put it on there and it stuck. And matter of fact, when he went to take it off, it was moving around under the skin as he was trying to pull it off. So um, I've got it first from firsthand source here that, you know, there is something metal inside the vaccine. And I was thinking today, my goodness, what if a person goes in and gets an MRI <laughs> with that stuff in their arm? You know, is it going to pull it right out of their arm? Is, you know, is it just going to clang on the inside of the MRI machine and the person's going to be sit there bleeding to death and everything else? So uh, it's something to think about, you know, before you get it. If you're ever going to have an MRI in the future, at least in the immediate future, you might want to reconsider. Um, anyway, what you need to know, COVID-19s are safe and effective. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. Uh, millions of people in the United States have received COVID-19 vaccines under the most intense safety monitoring in U.S. history. Well, yeah, but you didn't test it to see if it was safe on humans before you started giving it to them. So that, you know, that negates that, that sentence. CDC recommends everyone ages 12 and older to get vaccinated as soon as possible to help protect against COVID-19 and related potentially severe complications that can occur. Okay, so if you get it, like if I were to go down tomorrow and get the vaccine, does that mean that I won't get the complications, but if I wait a month, I will? That's what it seems to say. Um, I don't know. So anyway, a CDC and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and other federal agencies monitoring the safety of COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah, if they're telling the whole truth, which they're not. Uh, next bullet point, adverse events described on this page have been reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS. VAERS accepts reports of any adverse event following a vaccination, uh, but it's not mandatory that doctors do it, and a lot of them aren't. Okay, I'm going to add that in there as a caveat. The next and last bullet point in this section is reports of adverse events of VAERS following vaccination, including deaths, do not necessarily mean that the vaccine caused the health problem. Again, if you were healthy on Sunday, you got the shot on Monday, and you died on Tuesday, then that tells me that what they're saying is a bunch of uh, bovine scatology. Okay, and then it goes down this little blue window here. It says severe events after COVID-19 vaccinations are rare but may occur. Well, you know, yeah, death is rare, but it may occur, right? Okay, for public awareness and in the interest of transparency, CDC is providing a t timely updates on the following serious events, uh, adverse events of interest. The first one is anaphylaxis after COVID-19 vaccination is rare, and that's the allergic reaction. And has occurred in approximately two to five people per million vaccinated in the United States. That's baloney. I know people that have had 
had anaphylactic rashes and everything else. So disregard this whole section. Severe allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis, can occur after any vaccination. If this occurs, vaccination provider vaccination providers can effectively and immediately treat the reaction. Learn more about COVID-19 vaccines and allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis. And there's a link there. The next bullet point, and this is, this is getting more serious as we go down here. Thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome, TTS, after Johnson & Johnson, Janssen, or JJ slash Janssen, uh, COVID-19 vaccinations are is rare. As of June 28, 2021, more than 12.3 million doses of J&J Janssen COVID-19 vaccine have been given in the United States. CDC and FDA identified 38 confirmed reports of people who got the J&J Janssen COVID-19 vaccine and later developed TTS. Women younger than 50 years old especially should be aware of the rare and increased risk of this adverse event. There are other COVID-19 vaccine options available for which um, this risk has not been seen. Um, Section side section of that to date one confirmed case of TDS followed following mRNA COVID-19 vaccination Moderna has been reported um, to VAERS after more than 311 million doses of MRA COVID-19 vaccines administered in the United States. Based on available data, there is not an increased risk of TTS after mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. But like I said, it's not mandatory and a lot of doctors aren't doing it. They're just treating the problem and, you know, okay, I treated you, go home now. Um, You know, doctors are busy and how many of them are going to fill out a VAERS form? Come on, let's get real here. Okay, now we're getting even more serious. Myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccinations are rare. As of June 28, 2021, VAERS has received 780 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis among people ages 30 and younger who received COVID-19 vaccine. Most cases have been reported after mRNA COVID vaccinations, uh, that is the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna, particularly in male adolescents and young adults. Uh, Through follow-up, including medical record review, CDC and FDA have confirmed 518 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis. CDC and its partners are investigating these reports to access whether there is a relationship to COVID-19 vaccine. They're saying at the beginning that um, that the people that received the vaccine got it, but then they're saying that they're studying to see if the people that got the vaccine got it. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, God, it sounded like Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Um, okay, next bullet point. Report of death after COVID-19 vaccinations are rare. Well, death is rare. <laughs> you only get it once. Um, more than 340. 24 million doses, uh, divide that in half because each person gets two doses of COVID-19 vaccines were administered in the United States from December 14, 2020 through June 28, 2021. During this time, VAERS received 5,718 reports of death. Oh, I guess that's not important. It just killed 5,718 people. Among people who receive COVID-19 vaccine, FDA requires healthcare providers to report any death after COVID-19 vaccines to VAERS, even if it's unclear whether the vaccine was the cause. 
Uh, reports of adverse events, events to VAERS following the vaccination include deaths, but do not necessarily mean that the vaccine caused a health problem. <sighs> then why report it? Um, a review of available clinical information, including the death certificates, autopsy, and medical records, has not established a casual link to COVID-19 vaccines. However, recent reports indicate a plausible casual relationship between J&J, Janssen, COVID-19 vaccines, and TTS, a rare and serious adverse effect or event, blood clots with uh, low platelets, which has caused death. See how they're making light of it? Now, if you're the one of those 5,718 people, you probably don't know anything anymore, but there's 5,718 families that are suffering because their loved one has died from this COVID-19 vaccine. Um, I think if one person dies, that's bad and it should be pulled. But 5,718 out of millions, I'm sorry. But, you know, to me, that's not good odds. Yes, if you did the numbers, it's, it's probably really good odds. But if, you know, who's to say that if you or I were to go down and get the shot tomorrow, you know, that we wouldn't be, that you or I wouldn't be 5,719, you know? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to take that risk. I really am not. Um, okay. Uh, another thing that we may look at later is uh, dangerous drugs recalled by the FDA. Now, I haven't worked in pharmacy for, t I have worked in pharmacy for many years, um, 25 years altogether. Um, that ended about 2014 or 2013. Um, but I know that with oral drugs, like uh, the ones that are listed here, that are used for a variety of different reasons, um, I know that just a few people have to have bad effects and it's, it's, it's censured in, in a way, and then after a while, it's pulled off the market, and nobody can ever use it either in its regular form or generic. So with that in mind, you know, if, if they're going to pull drugs like that after just a few, maybe a 1,000 people have a problem with it, 5,718 people have died, and more have gotten myocarditis and pericarditis and everything else. Um, what is it going to take? It, you know, what it it's not going to take anything because they're going to ignore it. The press is ignoring it. The drug companies are ignoring it. The government's ignoring it. And um, the only way it's going to stop is if people like me and you start yelling from the housetops, okay? Um, okay, let's go here. I'm going to talk about myocarditis, um, but uh, CDC has a little thing about myocarditis. And again, they try to make it sound like it's not not that serious. But then we'll go to a couple other sources. Uh, actually, both of them are from the Mayo Clinic, a very trusted source. And we'll see what actually can happen uh, when you get myocarditis or pericarditis. So this article is from the um, CDC. I'm going to be fair and I'm going to read their article, even though I think it's baloney. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be fair if I didn't read it. So it says myocarditis and a pericarditis following mRNA COVID-19 vaccinations, what you need to know. And here's where the fluff comes. More than 177 million people have received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine in the United States, and CDC continues to monitor the safety of COVID-19 vaccines for any health problems that happen after vaccination. 
Since April of 2021, there have been more than a thousand reports of vaccine adverse events uh, reporting system bears of cases of inflammation of the heart called myocarditis or pericarditis happening after mRNA COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, that is like from uh, Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna in the United States. Okay, so what was that number? Uh, oh, I thought it gave a number. There have been more than a thousand reports. Okay, that's a thousand chances for people to die. Okay, myocarditis and pericarditis are nothing to be laughing about and nothing to be taking lightly. Okay, let's continue with this article. These reports are rare. If I hear that one more time. Given the hundreds of millions of vaccine doses administered and have been reported after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination, particularly in adolescents and young adults. Next point, CDC and its partners are actively monitoring these reports by reviewing reviewing data and medical records to learn more about what happened and to understand any relationship to COVID-19 vaccination. I said right above that, that it caused it. Now they're saying they're, they want to monitor it to see if it's causing it. See, you got to read this stuff with an open mind. You got to read it and see that the wool's being pulled over your eyes um, because they're saying one thing up on top and then they're saying something else that contradicts it down below. Okay. Most patients who received care responded well to treatment and rest and quickly felt better. Yeah, we're going to see that that's a bunch of baloney. Okay, next bullet point. Confirmed cases have occurred, um, A, mostly in male adolescents and young adults age 16 or older, B, more often after getting the second dose than after the first dose of one of these two mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, and C, typically within several days after COVID-19 vaccination. Looks pretty damning to me. Uh, patients can usually return to their normal activities after their symptoms improve. Okay. Doesn't say how long that's going to take. We'll find out later how long. It says they should speak with their doctor about return to exercise or sports. Okay. Now we're talking about male adolescents and young adults age 16 and older. How many people that age do you know? Uh, you know, aside from the geeks that are playing video games all day long and don't leave their house. Um, and I happen to be one of those, sorry, I don't mean any harm, but you know, I can, I can say it because I am one. Um, but how many people 12 years of age and older men that is, or kids, boys, males, let's put it that way. Um, how many of them go out and do exercise or sports? You know, geez, I remember when I was growing up, you were either in the baseball, footballs, uh, some of the odd guys got into soccer um, or wrestling or, you know, any number of different things, track and field. So they want you to consult with your doctor to see if you can return to exercise and sports. If you can return to it, that doesn't mean right now. It might mean forever. Okay. You're going to see what myocarditis and pericarditis do to the heart. And you're going to realize that it's not the light, the light fluff that the, um, CDC is making it out to be. Getting vaccinated is the best way to help protect yourself and your family from COVID-19. Yeah, right. More information will be shared as it becomes available. Okay. And then it goes into, should I get my child vaccinated? You don't even want to get me started on that. 
Okay, we're going to go to the Mayo Clinic and we're going to look at myocarditis. Okay, myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle or myocardium. Myocarditis can also affect the heart muscle, which heart attacks do too, right? And your heart's electrical system, same thing. Reducing your heart's ability to pump and causing rapid or abnormal heart rhythms or arrhythmias. A viral infection usually causes myocarditis. Yay, yeah, well, like uh, COVID-19 or the shot. Because um, we're talking about after the administration of the shot, okay? This is what this whole thing's about. A viral infection usually causes myocarditis. So if they're not infected before that and you give the shot, you're actually infected the person with COVID-19 because the virus causes the myocarditis. Bingo. You know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I'm going to say that a number of times tonight, but it can result from a reaction to a drug or be part of a more general inflammatory condition. Signs and symptoms include chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, and arrhythmias. Severe myocarditis weakens your heart so that the rest of your body doesn't get enough blood. Clots can form in your heart, leading to stroke or heart attack. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a light thing to me. Okay, symptoms. If you have mild um, mild case of myocarditis or in early stages, you might have no symptoms or mild symptoms, such as chest pain and shortness of breath. You know, nothing to worry about. <laughs> In serious cases, the signs and symptoms of myocarditis vary depending on the cause of the disease. Common myocarditis signs and symptoms include chest pain, rapid and abnormal heart rhythms or arrhythmias, shortness of breath at rest and during physical activity, fluid retention with swelling of your legs, ankles, and feet, fatigue, other signs and symptoms of viral infection such as headache, body aches, joint pain, fever, and sore throat and diarrhea. Most of those happen after the injection. Uh, myocarditis in children. When children develop myocarditis, they might have signs and symptoms, including fever, fainting, uh, breathing difficulties, rapid breathing, rapid or abnormal heart arrhythmias. Um, when to see a doctor? Call your doctor if you've had symptoms of myocarditis, particularly chest pain and shortness of breath. If you've had an infection, be alert for the symptoms of myocarditis and let your doctor know. Hey, doctor, I got the mRNA, uh, mRNA COVID uh, shot, and now I've got myocarditis. What can you do for me? Um, I love ad living. Uh, often the, uh, the cause of myocarditis isn't identified. Potential cases are many, causes are many, uh, but the likelihood of developing myocarditis is rare unless you get the COVID-19 shot and you're a young guy. Potential causes include viruses. Gee, uh, COVID-19, is that? Oh, yes, it is. It's a virus. Um, yeah, you're injecting this, the, the spike proteins of a virus into a person's body. Uh, the body is going to react in, uh, like it's a real virus. Okay. Uh, many viruses are commonly associated with myocarditis, including the viruses that cause the common cold, which are adenoviruses. COVID-19 in big, bold letters. Uh, hepatitis B and C, parvovirus, oh, parvovirus, excuse me, which causes mild rash, usually in children. Uh, it's called uh, fifth disease. And herpes, simplex virus, gastrointestinal infections, uh, echoviruses, mononucleosis, which is Epstein-Barr virus, and German measles, which is rubella, can also cause myocarditis. It's a common in people with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. 
bacteria, pneumospel, I'm not going to go into those. This is bacteria, parasites, and fungi. Okay. Myocarditis sometimes occurs if you're exposed to medications or illegal drugs that might cause allergic reaction or toxic reaction, chemicals or radiation. Yeah, everybody's around radiation, right? Other diseases, um, these include disorders such as lupus, um, originers, granulomatosis, giant cell arteritis, uh, arteritis, excuse me, and Takiyasu's arteritis. Okay, now here we get into the complications, okay? Remember the CDC's, oh, yeah, you'll get it, and you'll go back to work, okay? Okay, complications. Severe myocarditis can permanently damage your heart, muscle possibly causing, first one, heart failure. Untreated myocarditis can damage your heart's muscles so that the, uh, it can't pump blood effectively. In severe cases, myocarditis-related heart failure may require a ventricular assist device or a heart transplant. Whoa. Um, next one, heart attack or stroke. If your heart's muscle is injured, it can't pump the blood, and blood that pools in your heart can form clots. If the clot blocks one of your heart's arteries, you can have a heart attack. If the blood clot in your heart travels to an artery leading to your brain before becoming lodged, you can have a stroke. Rapid or abnormal heart rhythms. Arrhythmias. Damage to your heart muscle can cause arrhythmias. Been there, done that. Sudden cardiac death. Certain serious arrhythmias can cause your heart to stop beating. Sudden cardiac arrest. It's fatal if not treated immediately. Okay. Now, bear in mind now, when people get the COVID-19 um, vaccination, the mRNA, uh, there's there's mounting proof. It's just becoming clearer and clearer every day and week that these people actually shed the virus, um, that people that are around them will, will get symptoms of COVID-19. And some of them even come down with COVID-19 after it, if they've never had it before and after they've received the injection, which is supposed to protect you from COVID-19, but it's not protecting you if it gives you the virus. Okay. The first one is avoid people who have viral or flu-like illnesses until they've recovered. Uh, next one, follow good hygiene, avoid risking behaviors, mi- minimize exposure to ticks, get your vaccine. No, thank you. That's funny. Vaccines what causes it, and then you're saying get your vaccine. All right, now let's, for the heck of it, go into pericarditis, and we'll examine what that is, and um, a lot of things are the same. Pericarditis is a swelling and irritation of the thin, sac-like tissue surrounding your heart, or pericardium. Pericarditis often causes sharp chest pain and sometimes other symptoms. The chest pain occurs when the irritated layers of the pericardium rub against each other. Pericarditis is usually mild and goes away without treatment. Treatment for more severe cases may include medications and rarely surgery. Early diagnosis and treatment may help reduce the risk of long-term complications from pericarditis. Long-term, hmm, interesting. Okay, symptoms. Chest pain is the most common symptom of pericarditis. It usually is sharp or stabbing. However, some people have a dull, achy, or pressure-like chest pain. The pain you usually occurs behind the breastbone um, or on the left side of your chest. It may spread uh, to your left shoulder and neck. 
It often gets worse when you cough, lie down, or take a deep breath. Sitting up and leaning forward makes you feel better. Other signs and symptoms of pericarditis may include abdominal and leg swelling, cough, fever, or general feeling of weakness or being sick, low-grade fever, pounding or racing heartbeat, in other words, palpitations, shortness of breath, and um, shortness of breath when lying down. Okay, let's go real quick and look at the different kinds of pericarditis. Acute, which is, I mean, it's happening right now, begins suddenly but doesn't last longer than three weeks. Future episodes can occur. It may be difficult to tell the difference between acute pericarditis and pain due to a heart attack. That's interesting. Uh, Recurrent pericarditis occurs about four to six weeks after an episode of acute pericarditis with no symptoms in between. That's interesting. So it can come back, which means you lose another three or four weeks. Okay. Incessant pericardia lasts about four to six weeks, but with less, but less than three months, the symptoms are continuous and chronic constricted pericarditis usually develops um, slowly and lasts longer than three months. And it talks about when to see a doctor. Okay. Causes. Okay. Heart attack or heart surgery. Infection. Systemic inflammatory disorders. That's interesting because that's what the the virus uh, proteins do. Uh, trauma and other health disorders. Okay, here comes the good part. Drum roll, please. Uh, pericardial effusion is the first one. Pericarditis is usually associated with fluid around the heart, which can lead to more serious complications. Next one, chronic constrictive pericarditis. Some people with long-term chronic pericarditis develop permanent thickening and scarring of the pericardium, which prevents the heart from filling up and emptying properly. This usually unusual complication often leads to severe swelling of the legs, abdomen, and shortness of breath, and the big daddy, cardiac tamponade. Uh, this life-threatening condition can develop when too much fluid collects in the pericardium. Excess fluid puts pressure on the heart and doesn't allow it to fill properly. Less blood leaves the, leaves the heart, causing a dramatic drop in blood pressure. Cardiac tamponade requires emergency treatment, and it is fatal, folks. Okay, so there's two things that you can get from taking a vaccine. Isn't that interesting? All right. All right, now we got another article here. Um, and this is a person that was interviewing um, a doctor. And uh, so it's it's from a kind of like a, uh, oh, excuse me. It's, it comes from a, like a health site, a pure nature site or something like that. And um, I'm just going to encapsulate what it talks about. Okay, says Dr. Mercola interviews the experts. This article is part of a weekly series in which Dr. Mercola, or Mercola interviews various uh, experts on a variety of health issues. To see more expert interviews, click here. In this interview, um, return guest Stephanie Seneff, a PhD, a senior research scientist for, at MIT for over five decades, discusses COVID-19 vaccines. Since 2008, her primary focus has been um, has been glyphosate 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 oh man 
glyphosate and sulfur. Okay. But in the last year, she took a deep dive into the science of these novel injections and recently published an excellent paper on the subject. Uh, to have developed this incredibly new technology so quickly and to skip so many steps in the process of evaluating its safety, it's an insanely re reckless thing to, that they've done, she says. My instinct was that this is bad and I need to know the truth. So I really dug into the research literature by the people who've developed these vaccines and then more extensive research literature around, the, around those topics. And I don't see how these vaccines can possibly be doing anything good. When you weigh the good against the bad, it can't, I can't see how they could possibly be winning from what I've seen. A significant death toll will rise in months and years to come. Five months into the, the vaccine campaign, statistics tell a frightening story, Senef cites research um, showing deaths are 14.6 times more frequent during the first 14 days after the first COVID injection among people over the age of 60 compared to those who aren't vaccinated. This is extraordinary. You can read the full paper here, okay? Um, other data reviewed uh, in the video above, here is a video, we're not gonna watch it, uh, show that after COVID-19 vaccines are implemented, overall death rates have increased with the exception of a few areas. Interestingly, um, Senate believes that she may have discovered why it appears that countries in whom the COVID-19 vaccines have not raised mortality rates are also not using glyphosate. She says, uh, immediately suspecting glyphosate, when I started to see COVID-19, Senate says, I've written a book on glyphosate called Toxic Legacy, and I have an entire chapter on that in the book on the immune system. Glyphosate, I believe, is a train wreck from the innate immune system. And when your immune system is weak, your body has to overreact to the virus. It can kill the, it can't kill the virus. So it ends up causing collateral damage and wreckage to your tissues. You get into this cytokine storm kind of situation where you destroy your lungs and you can't cope. It's not really the virus, it's the immune reaction of the virus that's killing you. And that's because your immune system is too weak. If you have a strong innate immune system, I believe you wouldn't even get symptoms from COVID-19. Uh, when you look at the statistics of which countries are hit hard and you just can't get ahead of this virus, they're clearly the countries that use a lot of glyphosate and developing biofuels based on the glyphosate exposed plants. So I, th and I think you're talking about Roundup. So I think that uh, it's a critical piece of puzzle as well. Glyphosate is in the atmosphere and people are breathing it. So now you're getting a direct attack on your lungs, immune system, which means that you will be very susceptible, susceptible to COVID. Ultimately, Senef believes that as I do, that COVID-19 vaccines will end up killing far more people than the disease itself and will in fact re, uh, make the disease worse. Senef cites disturbing case history of cancer patients uh, in UK who was treated for a severe COVID-19 for 101 days. The antibody cocktails they gave him didn't work and after his death, they concluded that the predominant SARS-CoV-2 
uh, variant in his body had a dozen different mutations in the spike protein. Somehow his body figured out how to evade the antibodies, which is a critical piece of the puzzle. I think the vaccines are doing the same thing, Senef says, adding that um, among the immune compromised, only 17% of vaccinated individuals actually produce antibodies. Surprisingly, uh, these people may actually have drawn uh, the short end of the stick. The antibodies may not work because their immune function is low, thereby allowing the virus to build resistance and mutate. She says, I think you have a lot of immune compromised people in a country where glyphosate is destroying people's immune system, and that gives tremendous opportunity for the virus to mutate. The vaccine is going to accelerate that process because we're vaccinating immune compromised people left and right. COVID-19 viruses are a public health disaster. The typical uh, unprecedented vaccine takes 12 years to develop. And of all the unprecedented vaccines in development, only 2% are projected to ever make it through phase two and three of clinical testing. The COVID-19 vaccine was developed with Operation Warp Speed in less than one year, which makes it virtually impossible for this vaccine to be adequately tested for safety and efficacy. Uh, Hundreds of millions of people are now being vaccinated around the world based on nothing more than preliminary efficacy data. Disturbingly, while sudden death is one apparent side effect, the vast majority of side effects won't be known until a decade or more from now. Senef predicts that in the next 10 to 15 years, we'll see a sudden spike in prion disease, autoimmune diseases, neurogenerative uh, diseases at younger ages, and blood disorders such as blood clots, hemorrhages, and stroke, and heart failure. Okay. Uh, It's a nightmare, she says, and I can see how it can happen. Basically, the vaccine is so unbelievably unnatural, and it has a single-minded goal, which is to get your body to produce antibodies to the spike protein. The RNA has been manipulated. It's not natural RNA because it has methyl pseudoridine in it, and the goal is to keep it alive. Normally, if you get injected with RNA, you have enzymes in your system and your tissues that will immediately break it down. Your body knows it must get rid of the RNA. <clears throat> uh, when you, What you do with the vaccine is to make sure your body can't get rid of it. Uh, then there's the lipid or lipid that the RNA is encased in. The lipids are very abnormal, very weird. They're not natural, but they have the same some cholesterol in there, probably to help it look like uh, normal LDL particles so that your cells will take it up. It's not being taken up by the ACE2 receptor. It's not being taken up by the same way that virus is being, t- uh, virus is being taken up. It's a totally different mechanism that brings it all, all into the cells. You've gone past all the mucosal membranes. Usually a virus is going to come into the lungs or any other cavity where the mucosal system that's going to hit the virus first. Um, The virus will trigger your natural mucosal system to respond to it and clear it if it's a healthy person, and that's the end of it. With the vaccine, we never get a chance to do that. You're just getting it shot right into your muscle, past all the barriers, and the muscle goes crazy, sending all, all kinds of alarm systems. Okay, I'm gonna. How long will the effects last? As mentioned, RNA is highly perishable, 
So to get it past the enzymes that would normally break it down, down free mRNA, uh, it's encased in a, a lipid uh, nanoparticle, interesting, a nanoparticle, combined with uh, polyethylene glycol or PEG, where PEG helps protect the RNA from breaking down. The RNA can easily enter the cell via natural endocytosis pathways taking advantage of the nanoparticle design made to look like a LDL particle. They strategically chose a um, cationic lipid, meaning it's positively charged. Now, usually you have uh, phytophospholipids in your membranes that are negatively charged. Zenef explains uh, the problem with the cationic uh, lipids is that they disturb the plasma membranes and cause um, an immune response. However, it may also be a key reason why they were used. Typically, conventional vaccines contain an aluminum adjuvant to initiate the immune system, immune response, excuse me. Aluminum was not appropriate for the COVID-19 vaccines, but the catonic uh, lipids uh, serves a similar function specifically well. Being extremely toxic to the cell membranes, the positively charged lipids trigger immune cells to rush in to aid the cells and mop up the spike protein now being produced, while also being the vehicle that allows RNA to slip into the cells. Once inside the cell, the mRNA delivers the instructions to produce enormous amounts of spike proteins. The really worrisome thing is there is potential for it to become part of the DNA, and then it will last forever. Um, and it says Stephanie Senek, PhD. Importantly, there's no telling how long the instructions will persist. Uh, manufacturers are guessing that synthetic RNA may survive the human body for about six months, but we really don't know if that's true or not. Again, the alterations have been done uh, to synthetic RNA are meant to prevent it from breaking down. It could be years or even decades uh, into this that the spike proteins are being produced. And you will find out shortly why this is a bad scenario. This is a really worrisome thing, which I talk about in the paper, is um, potential for it to become integrated into your DNA. Senef says, if that happens, it will last your entire lifetime, and you may pass this new genetic code onto your offspring. Okay, I'm just kind of going down here because this is a very long article, and I don't want to read it all. Okay, potential vaccine shedding mechanism revealed. Senef also sheds light onto the mysterious reports of unvaccinated individuals experiencing unusual bleeding symptoms after spending time in the proximity of newly vaccinated persons. She believes this may be due to exosomes being released from the lungs. If you are a person who's producing these exosomes from your spleen and shifting them out, there's no reason why we can't uh, ship them out into the lungs. In fact, they're shown experimentally that uh, these exosomes do get released from the lungs, Senef says. So to be clear, what's being shed or spread by a vaccinated individual is the spike protein, which is in itself toxic, not the SARS-CoV-2, not the SARS-CoV-2. So it's not an infection, but rather a shedding of toxic proteins. If you're breathing it in, you get increased. Uh, you get an increased risk. It seems to me. Um, I mean, it sounds really far-fetched, but it looks like it could happen just from the logic of what's going on biologically. Um, 
it could happen uh, that you would breathe in these exosomes uh, containing these multifold prion proteins, which are not good for you. And exactly what happens when they go into your lungs, I don't know. I have no idea. Talks about a change in the DNA. Are we creating a generation of super spreaders? Yes. Okay, that's all I'm going to read to that. It kind of gives you an idea. If you wanted to check it out, it's um, Naya Pure Nature Calm dot wordpress dot com just go there and i'm sure you can find it very easily so folks this is a time bomb waiting to go off this this vaccine and people have just allowed it to be put into them and and um they've allowed their body to be injected with a time bomb actually um set to go off whenever and i feel really bad about that because a lot of people are going to be getting really sick they're going, to, they're going to be getting autoimmune diseases that they never thought they would have gotten um, or they may die um, so we need to think about that we need to um, uh, knowledge is power folks okay and like I talked about earlier when you have your sovereignty and you're a free man you're able to look up things and and, and you don't accept what is handed to you on a silver platter um you can use the illustration of the red pill and the blue pill. You know, the red pill opens up your eyes and you can see the, what things for what they really are. The blue pill, you just kind of become a slug and, and live your life and then die. Um, I want to know why things are going on. I want to know why people are getting sick, why the government and certain individuals are pushing this vaccine. Um, basically, it's an attempt to uh, depopulate the earth. And uh, that's the... Um, the whole reason that the, um, the elites and the New World Order and stuff are, are doing what they're doing. And uh, uh, this is just one uh, shot over the bow in a volley of, um, uh, you know, in a war. And um, it's uh, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, if it gets better at all. Uh, it will be get better, you know, because, um, you, you know, you're either going to die and go to be with the Lord or... Or uh, we'll live and uh, and live with the Lord. So, but um, for people that don't know Him, I can see where it could be dangerous, and they they are really worried and uh, apprehensive and uh, anxiety ridden. And uh, we weren't made to live like that. And when you have anxiety, your your um, immune system goes down. Uh, anxiety and depression, the immune system goes down, makes you more susceptible to getting COVID. So, it's kind of a double-edged sword, so to speak. And um, but uh, I think it's it's important that uh, those of us who live in a nation that was founded on a Declaration of Independence do not fall into the um, the codependent or dependence phase of uh, what society is getting into. Um, the founding fathers never and even the Lord never expected us to be drones that are obedient to the government. You know, as a matter of fact, no, he's he's opposite of that. He said many times things opposite of that. And um, so we have to work to um, to become more informed. And um, the Bible says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And that's so true. 
You know, people just want to be told what to believe. They don't want to believe things by by looking at uh, evidence and and all that other stuff. So, um, and that's usually um, something that comes with laziness, uh, lackadaisical kind of attitude. Um, you know, a lot of other, somebody else think for me, and my goodness, you know, all the generations of people that died in the Middle Ages and the early part of the church, because they wanted self-determination, they wanted to be able to study things for themselves and and uh, to study the Word of God and to, to study other things, too. And they were told, no, you can't do that. you got to do what the church tells you to do. And uh, a lot of people died to get us the liberty that we have, not just in this country, people like um, Gutenberg and um, Martin Luther. Well, I don't know if he's good, but, you know, he did start the Reformation. Um, you know, the, the printers of the Bible who risked their lives excuse me, to print it and uh, were hunted down by the, the Roman Catholic Church. And many times people were burned at the stake or or they were exiled. Um and everything else and uh, people suffered a lot so that we could be free and i think we owe it to them to study and to show ourselves approved a workman not um you know a workman that's worth his hire a workman that's um not ashamed and uh and if you study and you, and you know things you're not ashamed you actually it kind of builds you up a little bit that's another story um so anyway, folks, uh, we've looked at this mRNA thing, and again, we've been looking at it for months now, but uh, every time you think you've heard everything, something else comes up. So uh, I just wanted to warn you um, that there's going to be a lot of problems, and that please, if you haven't taken it, please don't take it. You know, if you have to take it to work, then quit your job and go work somewhere else. Um so anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and end here because I'm really tired. Uh, but I think I've um, I've uh, said what I needed to say and shown what I needed to show. And uh, so please be self-determinable people, okay? Uh, think, uh, do things like your life depends on it because these days it does. And uh, don't listen to the government at all, really. Uh, they're they're bent on your destruction. They're bent depend. They're bent on reducing the world's population by about seven billion people, and uh, they're going to try their hardest to do it. But you know, Yahweh's going to only allow certain things to happen. And uh, if we're on His side and living for Him, then uh, then He's going to take care of us, and that's the important thing. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, close this show out. I uh, hope and pray that everybody's blessed. And uh, Brian and I have a show scheduled for next Monday. Uh, last week we talked about a threat from outside to uh, invade America. And next week we're going to talk, next Monday we're going to talk about an inside threat to invade America. Okay. And we're not just talking about immigrants. We're talking about, we're going to talk about um, people in government, um, people that are into violent movements like um well you know who they are sorry um you know black lives matter which really started out as a good thing but then the communists took it over um and and all the other things um antifa and and groups like that that are here to create chaos and also uh people in government 
who are basically sold out to the uh, the foreign power that's uh, you know is trying to assert itself over us. So anyway, folks, um, be blessed, and we'll see you next Monday. And uh, from uh, now sunny and very hot Oregon, live long and prosper. Good night.